Hi, I'm James, and this is James Explores the New Mutants, an issue-by-issue exploration of Marvel's comic book series, The New Mutants. Welcome to episode number 52, entitled Personality Changes, in which I'll be examining issue number 44. Please stay tuned. So before we dive into the meat of this issue, let's quickly review our creative team. We got Claremont writing, Jackson Geis is on pencils, Kyle Baker's inking, uh, Lane Lee's colorist, and we've talked about her before, but she's also an Emmy winning uh, nominated Emmy nominated actress uh, for her role on The Doctors. It was, I guess, a daytime. I don't know if it was a soap or what, but I'm guessing it was in the '80s. Um, She's written comics, plays, nonfiction, animation, games. I mean, you name it, she's done it. Uh, She's worked on graphic novel, you know, won won awards for graphic novels, uh, Starstruck, The Luckless, and there's a whole series there. Uh, She's done extensive coloring, though, on X-Men-related titles. So here she is again uh, as our colorist on this New Mutants issue. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of neat. Um... Tom Orzakowski, he's back to doing the lettering, and we've got Ann Nascenti and Jim Shooter as editor and editor-in-chief, uh, respectively. So this issue, it's uh, it's a real good one. Um, it starts off, we, we find out what, you know, Rain is doing, and we kind of talked about it last issue. She's been in Scotland visiting her uh, Moira uh, Medtaggart, uh, who is essentially adopt, uh, has become her adopted mother, and she's on Muir Island with her. And uh, the very first page, we have a splash uh, image, and Moira's standing in the foreground, and this thing is toppling in the lab. It's falling towards her. Da- David Holler's standing behind her, and he's looking kind of squeamish, um, impish, and. Uh, Rain is running across the lab yelling for Moira to look out. Uh, and what's going to happen here is this big pillar machine, pillar of machinery is collapsing. Moira can't react quick enough to get out of the way. Uh, Rain transforms into a transitional human wolf form and dives, but she has to cover too much ground and she's not fast enough and is unable to push Moira out in time and it looks as though they're both going to be crushed under the weight of this massive pillar and all of a sudden it stops falling it's it's just levitating in the air and they realize that david holler he he's saved them but they're not sure how that's even possible he he's not supposed to be able to use his abilities it's supposed to be repressed but one thing and and david's going to fill in for us, the readers, uh, something we knew already. Uh, but this is, again, this is refreshing for the new readers. And new readers that would have come in on this one-shot issue, they're going to know everything that you need to know about David and his powers. He's got a multiple personalities. And what he's done here, because he likes Moira so well, he cares about her and wants her to be safe, and he has a, apparently a thing for Rain um, that has developed recently, he he wants to save them, and so he turned over control of his body to Jack Wayne, the personality of Jack Wayne, and Jack Wayne has uh, saved them, but he doesn't want to give control of the body back to David, so he's just going to keep it, and in doing so, he creates an explosion in the lab, 
and runs out. Meanwhile, hundreds of miles away across the ocean in New York, uh, at the Xavier Institute, uh, Danny's laying in bed, Danny Moonstar, also known as Mage. She, she's laying in bed, she's sleeping, she's, she's dreaming. And for once, according to the narration, they're really good dreams. Um, and uh, she awakens abruptly from this, and she's screaming the things Rain had been screaming. Uh, we, we see her screaming uh, for Lady Moira, Mommy, above you, look out. That's exactly what, what Rain had called to, uh, had called to her, to, to Moira before that thing fell. And then she is thrown up against the wall and slams back to her bed. She's, she's woozy and unsure and she's cowering on the ground next to her bed, screaming no, you know, trying, trying in part to, to get to the phone to call Scotland, but, but being, feeling as though she's being burned. She's not on fire she realizes but she feels as though she is and feels the pain of that and then she's struggling to remember the phone number to dial the dialing codes and you know just how to make this this call to scotland um and she does finally dial it and there's no answer you know um she's you know um and she's realizing that something bad has happened to rain and that this is her psychic rapport. And if you remember, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, if you're familiar with the issues, you know that that Danny and Rain share a psychic rapport. That's this bond. And when when Rain's in this wolf form, Danny can can hear her thoughts, can see kind of what's happening to Rain. And she's terrified. She's panicked, terrified, scared, and hurt. And doesn't know what to do. Um, like I said, there's no answer. And Danny, she gets up and she's struggling to walk. She's really struggling to, to walk. She's like kind of out of it. Um, and she's, she's trying to get Ileana to help her. That's where she wants to go. And Ileana's room, according to, to Danny's own statements here, is on the other side of the mansion. It's, it's in another wing of the mansion. So she's, she's making her way through the mansion, uh, like I said, staggering through, and finally does fall. And this apparently clears her head, you know. Um, and she gets to Ileana's room, and, and she opens the door and tells her to magic to wake up. I need, your, need you. And this moment we have this this image of Ileana and she's in this like demon sorceress imagery right we've got like horns and what looks almost like a goat's head on a human body and these white uh gowns and these snake like serpents begin to ensnare and pull Danny to the ground um and and Ileana says to Danny who dares violate the sacred sanctorum sanctum sanctorum of magic let my spells transfix and then she says oh crumbs danny and calls to danny and begins to running to her and tells her her demons to to beat it and the demons all have this their speech has always been that kind of it, it mirrors iliana's right but they did they leave the room and uh Ileana asks Danny if she's okay, and Danny's just like shaken, obviously, and really unsure. And 
Ileana tells her, you know, you scared me. And, of course, Danny's response, you're scared? And Ileana tells her, you know, it was just instinctively, she's she just reacted instinctively. She So she teleported these demons to protect her, you know, from limbo. And they, Ileana tells her what happened. Um, and the rest of the team eventually shows up and she fills them in. And, you know, the desire is to teleport, have Ileana teleport them all to teleport Danny at least, whether the rest of the team goes or not, because a lot of the team is unsure. You know, Roberto's very standoffish. He's like, no, I'm not even sure. You're probably just dreaming. This might have just been a dream and we go all the way to Scotland for nothing. That's just ridiculous. There's no reason to do that. And Danny, you know, she doesn't care. Like, she tells Ileana, I want to do this. Like, take me to Scotland. And Ileana reminds her, hey, you know, t- you know, the farther something is away, the harder it is for me to be accurate in time and space. We could end up anywhere or any place or, or in any time. Like, there's no certainty. And this is laid out beautifully here. Um, and And back to Roberto, you know, is his standoffishness fear of Ileana and Limbo or what? And the rest of the team, uh Sam and 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 uh Shane Coyman, they're not gonna let Danny do this alone. And they tell Roberto, you know, if you don't want to go, if you're afraid, like you don't have to go. And this is something that's gonna build throughout this issue, is Roberto's fear of Ileana and Limbo. And that becomes chippy at the end, just before the scene here really ends. You know, Ileana, you know, they, Danny accuses him, you know, are you afraid of, or, sorry, Ileana asks him, you know, are you afraid of her? Are you, are you afraid of Limbo? Are you afraid of that? And, and he says, I'm not afraid of, of evil places, sorceresses, or of you. And he's talking to Ileana. And Ileana says, my realm is a reflection of me, pal. Can't hate one without the other. And Danny has to break this up. And she does tell Roberto, hey, you know, if you don't want to go, you can stay here. We won't think anything less of you. It's, up, you know, it's really up to you. No, you know, no big deal. Um, and so the decision's been made. They're going to go to Scotland to see what's happening. So there's a couple things I want to briefly touch on here you know one the first is this panel where we see Ileana she looks as though she's a demon uh, uh, almost like with a goat head here um, this this demon sorceress persona projection she's she has whether that's her true self or not um, and this image of Danny who's laying on the ground um, being kind of ensnared by these these tentacles or these snake-like demons. And there's, was, there's this rumor, this legend, this, uh, this comic legend that uh, Jackson Geis had used a pornographic model uh, photo to, to, to do that image, to do this panel, of the, particularly of Danny here uh, laying um, on her back, pulled to the ground, ensnared with these snakes. And... Uh, Brian Cronin, uh, he does this. He has this article at CB uh, on, on, uh, that he does uh, called "Comic Book Legends Revealed," um, 
and he apparently has talked to Jackson Geis in, on more than just this occasion about about these kind of uh, stories that have gone around. And Geis uh, tells him no that he didn't actually use this uh, an adult magazine model for this panel, and and Brian believes him because of the rapport they share he he's you know he's been honest with him about other legends that he's brought to him and so there's no reason to doubt him here he probably did not um you know and i mean i can kind of see why maybe uh danny does have her finger up to her lip uh it's kind of a, a longing position um it's it's an odd it is a little odd somewhat out of place um but but nonetheless, I don't think there's any connection to uh, an adult uh, adult magazine model. Um, we also have Danny in a flag, Fraggle Rock shirt, which is kind of a neat uh, callback. Sam's wearing this Lila Cheney World Tour 1986 shirt, um, which is just neat. I like that Claremont's taken, the, or that Geis has taken the time to place them in, in uh, inside pop culture. And Lila Cheney's isn't, but I just like that Sam's always got this callback to his girlfriend, right? Um, that's cool. And then I, I should have brought it up in the last segment, too, about Moira. She's calling Moira, uh, Rain is calling Moira mommy, which is kind of neat. Always really cool to see that relationship developing for Rain because she she's uh, doesn't have a mother. And the last thing... Um, Ileana had warned, you know, after this whole thing had, had occurred, Ileana said, yeah, you know, didn't you see the door? I, you know, sort, she's got these stickers on the door and one of them says sorceress is, and then there's another st- thing that you can take off or and probably flip around and it says in, and then you could have it say out, do not disturb or else there's a big like stop sign with that on it. And then beware of demons is plastered on the door. So, uh, those were warnings that. Danny shouldn't have just barged in. Um, so just this interesting little dynamic that's beginning to develop. But we're also seeing something interesting in Ileana, I think, here, where we're, we're seeing this darker side more dominant and more prevalent and more open to view. So either she is trusting her friends more and allowing them to see her for who she truly is, or she's changing So those two things are kind of in play with her character. And it's rather, it's a neat little, it's a neat uh, tip of the hat, I would say. So, like I said, the team's going to be jutting off to Mirror Island to try to help Moira and Rain. So later, it's Mirror Island, and the team's teleported there. Ileana's taken everybody. Karma, Danny, Warlock, Cypher, Bobby, Sam, Amara, and Ileana all arrive. Uh, it looks like that landing pad uh, back in the issue, uh, issues when the New Mutants had confronted uh, Legion before. Um, so they're outside the lab. They're outside on Muir Island. And everything seems okay. The only thing that they do notice is that the sun is setting, it's dusk, and it should be dawn. So this this teleportation of Ileana's did shift them in time, and uh, Danny's concerned about that. Well, Warlock, he senses that there's life forms, uh, in, and 
Bobby, he, he chides Danny, saying, See, everything's fine. No cause whatsoever for alarm. Well, in the lab, they discover a giant hole in the wall. It's been trashed, tons of damage, and it resembles damage that they witnessed the last time they were on Muir Island. And they finally locate Rain, and she, she, Danny doesn't see any signs of death. Uh, any images of death. She's a Valkyrie, and that's one of her powers. She doesn't see anything. So, and Rain is okay. They also locate Moira. She's unharmed as well. Um, and they figure out that Legion's freed himself. He's blowing a hole in the side of this lab, and he's off and running. Uh, he no longer has control of his body. And after everybody's kind of caught up on what has happened, the New Mutants decide they got to go after him. So the New Mutants do decide to go after Legion, as I said, and they head down the west coast of Scotland to Loch Broom in Port Ula, Ula Pool. And apparently, according to the narration and uh, conversation of the characters, they're so far north that even after midnight, the still, sun still hasn't set. And maybe that's common knowledge, but I did not realize uh, personally and, and I would assume this is correct. I mean, Claremont, I know, spent time traveling and, uh, you know, he was in England and Europe uh, while he was writing for Marvel. He traveled there and got ideas for stories while doing that. So my guess is that this is true. This is actually a true thing that occurs in the northern area, areas of Scotland, that that there's times after minute the sun hasn't doesn't set. So it's kind of light all the time, which is interesting, something I did not know. Um, but anyways, how are they getting to this, the coastline of Scotland? Not teleportation this time. No, Warlock has turned himself into like this hovercraft speedboat duck thing, and he's carrying them all to, uh, all to mainland of, or the island of Scotland, or from, from Morile to <laughs> Scotland, which is in itself a large uh, island. Uh, attached to England and they disembark and they begin discussing their plans right and what we find out is that Danny and her wisdom has borrowed the X-Men's micro transceivers and these are many two-way radios that fit inside the ear and they're all going to wear one and they're going to start looking for Legion and at this point, Danny also fills in her teammates that Legion is Xavier's son, his abilities. We get the rundown again about all this and clarification on each characteristic of his uh, fellow residents, uh, the, the, the personalities that are inside his head, right? So she tells him that Jack Wayne, he's a telekinetic. He tells, she tells him about Jamil, the Palestinian boy about their age he's the telepathic and cindy she's the punker nihilist um and she's the pyrotic um and so these are the these are the personalities the strongest personalities and jamil he's likely to try to protect david um and cindy she's kind of a wild card her that personality may go anyway they just don't really know jack is the most dangerous and he's the one they have to defeat defeat and they have to hope that those other personalities will help rein jack in so that they can get david you know return to safety um we also have this interesting development here between rain and warlock warlock he wants to start looking he's kind of using his abilities to to find uh 
to find David Holler. Well, Rain, she asserts herself here, and she tells him, you know, she'd do a better job. She's better for this. She can stalk David, track him down in her wolf form, no problem. And Danny notes, you know, in her thought, you know, she notices this self-assertion that Rain all of a sudden has, and she's a little worried. She notices that this trait, um, it's like a form, when she's in her wolf form, this really assertive, aggressive nature is becoming more and more prevalent. This trait, and it, it, it seems to be a wolf, one of her wolf form traits. It's overriding Rain's more sheepish, more withdrawn, more uh, reserved uh, personality traits. And Danny worries that there might be trouble to come from this. But we don't really spend too much time here as we continue on to the bar where they located David Holler. And it's a rough spot. You know, there's bar fights going on. It's just chaotic. And it doesn't, it's not a real inviting place. It's not a safe place, I think, is what Claremont's trying to let us know. And that's what Sam and Karma comment on. Now, the plan that Danny has developed is that David Huller's never seen Sam or Karma. And so those two, being that they're the oldest and they look the oldest, they're going to go in and get close to David and Karma's going to take control of him. And then he'll, she'll lead him outside and then they'll deal with him out there. And if she can't do this, then they got to get him outside so the team can take care of it together. Well, they're still in their uniforms. David... Sam points out is going to recognize them in these uniforms. He'll know that they're they're there. They're related to the X Men. He'll know that they're they are connected to Xavier. Um. And so they got to change clothes. Well, I want to talk about this because their costumes are supposed to be designed from uh, unstable molecules, right? This is an example. Uh, 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 a, a technology created by the Fantastic Four um, and uh, Richard Reed, right? And so it, it allows these costumes to be converted to other sets of clothing, and they never really have to change them. Um, it's kind of a neat thing. Well, it sometimes they have that, and sometimes they don't. Apparently here they don't, because Ileana takes them back to Limbo and uh, gets them a change of clothes, and sure enough, they come back, and they look like... Uh, regular day, everyday people, like people who would be hanging out in a bar like this. And so they're going to go inside and confront David. They head inside and they kind of scout the joint out. Um, and we also get some uh, two-way radio talk between Sam and Danny. And they're talking about, really for our sake, the readers, about why David won't just spot them through their thoughts. And Danny points out, hey, David Holler... Uh, he doesn't have connection to it or control of his abilities. And Jack Wayne, he's a telekinetic. And the person who has the abilities, the controls the ability, uh, telepathic abilities, is Jamal. And he isn't going to work uh, with with Jack Wayne. They're, they're arch rivals, really. They, they're competing against each other. And even if Jack has influence, is influencing Jamal, he'll still be fighting against Jack, and so he'll. It'll, it's likely that it won't be a problem. So sure enough, David Holler or David Holler, controlled by Jack Wayne, doesn't even realize them. That they're there. They walk behind him, kind of close by. Uh, he d- doesn't notice them in the mirror of the bar, 
and, or out of the corner of eyes. He just doesn't even realize they're there. So karma makes her move. She goes up behind him, and he's standing with these two young women, uh, and he's looking into the mirror, and he sees karma's face, and she smiles at him. It's an invitation, according to Claremont. And he tosses, basically pushes the girls off of him and, and goes to her. And as Pond making contact, eye contact with him, she takes control of him. She possesses his mind. And they begin to walk out hand, arm in arm. Well, one of the ladies that was with him gets upset, and she slaps Shane in the face. And, you know, calling her a tramp, telling, you know, saying, this is my date, this is my man, Get, you know, go somewhere else, um, you know, imply your trade. She's calling her a whore, um, you know, just kind of a nice roundabout way of saying it, nicer, less... Uh, direct way of saying it um you know and that breaks her hold on legion and he lifts her into the air using his telekinetic powers and cindy's apparently there too because his hands burst into flames and this it turns into a bar fight pretty quickly and sam knocks him out the wall uh rain leaps at him and you know or, sorry, Sam, you know, knocks him through a wall, knocks him into the street, where the fight really ensues, and, you know, people, you know, they all end up using their abilities to try to help each other and to help protect the people, the public, um, you know, and, uh, yeah, it's pretty chaotic, um, so the fight, you know, continues until... Uh, David kind of blasts them and um, knocks them knocks them back. Uh, although the new mutants succeeded in protecting some police officers and uh, sheltering and protecting people, uh, David Holler does catch them not paying attention to him and he he knocks him for a loop um and uh we we see later the team the team the new mutants uh the heroes of the story collecting themselves a little later the team like i said is collecting himself legion's gone the police are unconscious and uh they're trying to figure out, you know, they got to put out the flames. There's cars on fire. There's damage to buildings. Um, everyone's okay, thankfully. And they want, you know, they're going to put out those flames and they're going to keep looking for, for uh, Legion. But they're confronted by Reverend Craig. And he calls them demons. And Rain... And, and, he, and he tells Rain, you know, you've shown your true face to the world. She you know, defends what they've been doing. She's like, we've, we're trying, you know, you're mistaken. We're trying to help. He responds, of that I am certain. All I need do for proof is look about me. And small wonder I find you in these foul corners of town, like mother, like daughter. And he's covered in shadow almost all the time. Half his face is hidden in shadow. His hair is kind of crazy. He's got this beard. He's clutching the holy bible in his arms you know very 
and he's alone this time. Usually he's running around with a mob, but today he's not. He's he's there alone. You know, and, and Raven Rain and her to her credit, she's enraged, you know. And she transforms to that half wolf half human form, that like werewolf form of hers, that transitional form and, and she goes to him and, you know, tells him he's a liar, that her mom was a good woman. You know, and and this startles him by the holy rod, a creature from the pit, you know, and Rain, she reverts back to her human form, she's in tears, and Sam and Danny step in front of her, in between her and Craig, and, you know, they defend Rain, you know, Sam's like, she's, you know, she's human as anyone, mister, a lot more decent than most, you got no call to speak like that, you know, and, and Danny's tells him, you know, don't waste your time with him. Leave him alone. Just just ignore him. He's not worth our time. And, you know, this is really the end of Reverend Craig's. He's got a handful of panels here um, confronting Rain. Um, but it's significant, right? Like, this is Rain's past, her father figure, not a good father figure, not someone who's helped her develop, grow, and any areas where she's struggling to be fully human, she's had to face that alone. And only recently has she found comfort from someone, an adult figure. Uh, initially it was uh, Xavier, but he's now gone. So now Mo- Moira's fulfilling that role. And she's really adopted her, you know. And so she is like her mother. And we see this callback to this point where she's gained this, she's more assertive. And could that tie to the fact that she's more stable in her life in terms of parental figures? You know, and it's interesting that we have this occurring. We have this issue with Legion as well occurring. You know, her, his father, Charles Xavier, one of the worst fathers in the world, you know, probably in the history of comics, <laughs> not, not really, but he is pretty shitty dad, you know, He'd done all this work to help David get control of his body, and he, you know, was going to be there for him. And and as far as we know, unless it's happening in between panels, Xavier has never visited his son. And now he's no longer on Earth. He's off running around in space with his space girlfriend, you know, Lalandra. Um, he's not going to be back for a long time. Uh, so David Haller has been abandoned by his father, you know, too. And so here we have Rain confronting a person who has not necessarily abandoned her, but he, depending on, yeah, I guess on your def- definition of that, maybe he has, you know, he, he sees her as a demon. I guess he, in some ways, that's pretty much him abandoning his child or his adopted child or the person that he was raising, whether he's adopted her or not, right? Well, he was the head of, of the place she was staying, the orphanage. It was his orphanage. He was running it, you know. So in certain ways, he's he's abandoned her to her fate, um, believing her to be a demon, giving up on her, essentially. Uh, and in a lot of ways, Xavier gave up on David. Uh, so uh, initially not by choice, because David, he was unaware of David's existence. But from what we've seen is in terms of in panel on page uh narrative de- depicting Xavier and Gabriel's relationship we have not seen much 
so in a large sense. And he's run off to space to live with his space girlfriend. So he has, in a lot of ways, abandoned his son uh, to, to struggle through these multiple personalities and his mutant abilities and come to grips on that with that on his own, um, whether it's with the help of Moira or not. Uh, not really a place where you would give the Father of the Year award. Uh, but that's that's all aside. You know, that is not what we're talking about. So uh, Legion, uh, Legion's been found. He's up by the oil, uh, by these oil storage tanks on the ridge, and they're going to go after him. Um, and so the team gathers up. Uh, they deal with Rain's uh, somewhat traumatic experience with her Craig really quickly, and they and they and they move. They they get out. They they head towards uh, towards um, towards uh, those oil storage tanks to confront Legion. So the team, they quickly catch up to David, and sure enough, he's right where Cypher and Warlock had said he was, um, and now he's threatening to start those oil tanks on fire, and he does that. Uh, magma, she encases them in rock, and it puts the flames out, um, and, and it is, what we, what we find out in this scene also is that Jack Wayne is in total control, and he is manipulating Cindy and forcing her to work for his bidding. And he is talking about how he's in total control. They'll never be able to recage him in his mind cage because he has the strength, and strength rules. Um, they're, the others are too weak, and they, they don't have, they, there's no way that they can bring him back, um, restrain him again. Well, as the new mutants are trying to put out all these fires and uh, Jack is threatening to light, ignite more tanks, uh, he is uh, attacked by Roberto, who transforms to Sunspot. He, he wraps his arm or his arms around him in a bear hug, and uh, Jack throws them both through a wall, tries lighting himself on fire. Um, Roberto won't let go. And the fire does hurt him, and and you know going through the wall hurts him. And we're reminded once again that even though he's super strong, he's not invulnerable. And Ileana, she points out, you know, we we're going to catch him, but we never talked about what we'd do once we had him. And Danny's makes a point telling she tells Sunspat that that at heart Jack's a coward, and that's the key. That's how they're going to beat him. And Ileana teleports uh, after, sorry, I should say Sunspot, Roberto, asks Ileana to teleport them to Limbo. And she does that. And here is where, you know, Jack, he realizes that he can read, he can read the thoughts, Roberto's thoughts. He, he can see it, the fear in his face, the, the terrified, that he's terrified of that place. And Roberto tells him of, his, of the mistress too. But they are demons that he's willing to, to fate, to confront, to put an end to Jack. And so in Ileana's d- domain, she's in her goat demon form, and, and Roberto tells him, hey, you know, in this realm, magic's all-powerful. She's the only way in and the only way out. You're trapped um, here in body and in mind. And there's absolutely 
you know, nothing you can do. She is absolute ruler of this realm. She can rip you out of Legion's body and destroy Jack, you know, his psyche and absolutely make him into nothing. Just destroy him. Freeing David of him completely if she wanted to. And Roberto says, life means nothing to her. She'll take it without hesitation or mercy. Look deep into her eyes, Jack, and behold your doom. And he screams, no, and they teleport back to Earth. And, you know, with, with the new mutants standing around behind them. And Sunspot's holding David, who's reverted back, who has control again, saying, no, I've been bad again, haven't I? Is everything all right now? May I go home, please? And David's back in control. And the Dunians have defeated Jack Wayne and Legion. They, they, they've helped David regain control. So back on Murray Island, they're picking up the pieces. Moira's going to take care of the damage that occurred in Ulapool. In Ulapool. Um, and we're getting kind of a rundown of, you know, with Jack locked away in David's psyche... What you know, Roberto asks, what's going to stop him from breaking out again? And Moira just tells him, you know, we'll we'll do the best we can. We'll help David the best we can. If he gets out again, we need assistance. We'll call. Um, and she tells him, you know, as David gets older, he will become his psyche will become stronger, and that'll mean it'll be easier for him to, you know, withstand. Jack's uh, influence and over time she hopes that those psyches will break down the separate psych personalities will break down and create back into the whole and become healthy and Roberto asks what would happen then to the, to the other personalities Cindy and everyone else Moira tells them they'd cease to exist as individuals and Roberto's points out, well, no wonder they're scared. They don't want to die. And Moira's says, true, but after all, it's David's mind. It's his future. You know, it's his right to live. It's not fair for these other personalities that are not anything other than bits of David to exist and control him. And they continue to talk and Sam compliments him on his plan. He did great. And Roberto tells him the reason it worked is because he believed every word he said. Roberto argues that Legion saw in Ileana a true demon. You know, something worse than even him. And they're teammates with her. And Sam shoots back and friends. That's partly what the new mutants are all about, pal. We fight for kids' futures. David, Ileana's, even yours. Anyone who needs fighting for. I love that statement. You know, and that's really kind of what the new mutants have become. You know, they've been taking care of one another. Whether it's Sam, Shane, Danny, uh, Sam, or, you know, any of the other teammates. Roberto, Rain. They've all helped each other at one point or another. And they fight for each other all the time. So they are really fighting for 
their futures? What will their future be? They're fighting for this desire, this idea that they get to, to, that their future isn't necessarily destined, right? They're not set to be just whatever. They are fighting for their own, uh, to define their own futures for themselves, to protect each other to to ensure that their continued development and growth occurs you know i, I really like this sentiment I, and i i think that's a great um jumping off point for this comic honestly i think this is the direction it should go um and i and i appreciate that um meanwhile danny and rain are talking and you know danny's trying to cheer rain up make her feel better you know she tells her that reverend craig doesn't matter he's an old uh man filled with prejudice and hate and she says you know without without rain's help they wouldn't have been able to you know jack would have escaped moira and the policemen would have died and that's nothing to be ashamed of you know she's not alone that she has friends and moira loves her and so does danny and Danny finally asks her, you know, in town, did you really mean about the total destruction? Mean it about total destruction, the death of all those people being no more than they deserved? She said, and, and Rain defends herself, saying, I was upset. And Danny responds, I know, but did you mean it? Would you have let Jack carry out that threat? And that's where we end this issue, is with this question. You know, the state, this bold question that she's asking, it's really direct. She wants to know. She's concerned. Danny is concerned. She's seeing this change in Wolfsbane, in Rain, and she's worried that, that she's becoming more animalistic and less concerned with human life and her friends. She's worried that she's losing Rain to this animalistic side. And so here she's confronting Rain. She wants answers because she does care about her. She does care about her deeply. And, you know, I think we've talked about this before, the psychic rapport. Um, this suggests there's potentially something else going on between them, something deeper than just friendship, potentially more intimate relationship. Um, not that it necessarily is, but, it you know, it could be. And... Uh, it's, this is an appropriate moment for this this comic, so that's kind of where we leave this. Uh, we talked about quite a bit today uh, in terms of character development. I think for Rain, um, and some interesting, you know, interesting uh, parallels between Legion's character and and Rain, you know, and how both of them have these father figures who are either who are not the best fathers and have been absentee. And for Rain, this absenteeism has been for the best. He, this guy's a dirtbag scumbag. You know, he's prejudiced and full of hate, like, just like, just like Danny tells Rain. Um, Legion's father, he's an idealist. And, uh, you know, f depending on your take on Xavier, he's either a really good person or a really bad person. It seems like people don't have a middle-of-the-road take on him. Um, you know, and 
when you look at his history as a whole, he is kind of can it be quite easily made into a sleaze bag, a scumbag. Uh, he's definitely a man that has sacrificed himself and everything he loves to this ideal of mutant human uh, coexistence. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things that does kind of mar his character is he did just, you know, yes, he was sick and he was dying, but, you know, he does go to space and he gets better. And we find that out way, way, way down the road here. But uh, we do find out that he does heal and that he gets well. And he has just abandoned all of the X-Men, all of the New Moons, all of, you know, his family, his children on Earth. And just left them with no, with nothing, you know. And for David, somebody who's so fragile and so uh, underdeveloped, character, you know, in, in, in when, I, when I talk about underdeveloped, I mean in terms of his personal growth, as pointed out by Moira, his psychological growth. He could have really used his father, and uh, his father's not there. You know, and it's another place where the New Mutants can kind of come back and relate to David, right? Because Xavier abandoned them and left them with Magneto, and they know what that's like, too. They know what that's like, too. So Xavier's a really interesting character in terms of his place in these mutants' lives and how he up and leaves them when potentially they need him most. Uh, and I think it's, you know, just a, the addition of David into the story, when you look at it in that framework, is interesting. It's a one-and-done story. We won't have David back until Uncanny X-Men, you know, 200 and something, 254, I think. Uh, it's the all-new, all-different X-Men. X-Men are missing, and after that issue, uh, after that story arc, we're going to have Forge and Banshee running around looking for the X-Men. So that's kind of, that's one of my favorite, favorite little stories in Uncanny X-Men. I really enjoy that. Um, but anyways, that's when Legion's going to show up again. So we're not going to see any more of Legion until then. And he'll come in and out of X-Men story arcs from then on. Uh, he will be at times a big player, other times not. Uh, but that's that's where Legion's going after this. So his relationship uh, with Xavier doesn't really develop. I mean, they are smashed together to create stories and some cl doors are opened and some, you know... Feelings are mended, but it seems like they're separated just as quickly and animosity develops within David again, and we see uh, problems developing once again. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the conclusion of this issue. Uh, like I said, next issue we will be examining issue uh, number 45, We Were Only Foolin'. So I can't wait and tune in next week for that. James Explores the New Mutants is, as always, recorded in Des Moines, Iowa, and is produced by myself using the Anchor app. New episodes are published every Wednesday and can be found wherever podcasts are available. You can reach the podcast on Twitter at ExploreNewMutant, via email at ExploreTheNewMutants at gmail.com. And visual companions of the episodes are available on Facebook and Instagram by searching James Explores the New Mutants. Another cool way for you, the listeners, to reach the podcast... Uh, 
and talk to me directly is via uh, Anchor Messenger Service. It allows you, the listeners, to record minute-long segments, messages, that are sent directly to me. I can then place those messages directly in the episodes. So it's a cool way for you to engage and interact with the podcast. So I highly recommend it. Until next week, keep reading those comics.